and I instantly broke 11 bones on the left side of my body from my eye socket through my femur was broken in half, everything in between, and I was clinically dead. I died for six minutes. Welcome to the Shut Up Show. This is the Brave Solopreneur's podcast helping you shut up and make shit happen. Inside every episode, you'll hear raw and uncensored conversations with amazing entrepreneurs and thought leaders who bring their best work every day despite being scared shitless. You'll gain mindset strategies on how to brave through your fears, tactical advice to help you define your shut-up moment, and impact-driven tips inspiring you to live and work on your own terms. And now, your hosts and co-shut-uppers of making shit happen, Bernie Shung and Phil Gerbyshack. And we are live with our newest dancing fool, our yo pal, Hal Elrod. Hey, what's Howdy, up? Howdy, guys. I'm inspired hey, by your dance moves. That's all I can say. Woohoo! Yeah. <laughs> most, pe- most people hate Phil's twerking, though. I'm sorry, Phil. I love you, man, but twerking's yeah. gotta go. I didn't want to say anything. I didn't want to say anything. It's all right. I've got a complex. My friends call me Miley. That's all I'm going to say. Nice, nice. No, they don't, thank God. But <laughs> we do have you today, Hal, and we are so delighted. Hal was nice enough to send us a copy of his book ahead of time, The Miracle Morning. So we're really stoked about that. And actually, we may be giving away a copy of Bernie's copy at the end of the show. So stay tuned, folks, for a way that you can get a copy of your pal Hal's book. So, Hal, how are you today, buddy? Best day ever. Uh, best Woo-hoo. day ever. Every day. And it's cool. My, my, my four-year-old daughter is picking up on that. She goes, last night I was reading her stories. She goes, Dad, when I wake up tomorrow, I'm going to decide it's going to be the best day ever. And I'm like, yes. Woo-hoo. Yeah, you know, it, that's, it's amazing to see your, your, the positive aspects of, of your character reflecting in your children. So I'm happy about that. Good job, sir. Yeah. Good job. So four years old. So how many other kids do you have, Hal? Uh, is that I have, one or uh, that in addition to me, it depends on if you, my wife would count me as one, but uh, right. I've got uh, my daughter Sophie is four and my son Halston just turned one and he's a little terror. It's, it's amazing. Awesome. So he's, every day is his best day ever because he doesn't know any better. He's so aggressive. I don't know, like boys and girls, I guess, are just so different, but he just is always like grunting and breaking things and it's, it's a crack up and my daughter's all sweet and dainty and, you know, it's great. Awesome. And you said his name is Hulk, right? That was what his name was, Hulk? Elrod? No, not, thank God, no. Um, it's, uh, it's Hal, and no offense to anyone named Hulk, but it is Halston, H-A-L-S-T-E-N. So my, my first name is Hal, middle name Austin, and we put that together and made Halston. So yeah. wonder twin powers activate. Very cool. I like Hulk better. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe if we have another one, or that'll be his nickname. There you go. Could be. Could be. Yeah. So... Cool. Well, before we get into the difficult questions on the game show today, Hal, yeah. uh, Bernie is our chief stalking officer, and she knows stuff about you. I bet your wife doesn't even know, Hal, and she's going to tell you some of that, and she's going to keep some in reserve just in case you get out of line. So, Bernie, take it away. <laughs> that is so true. Oh, that never gets old, Phil, and it's true. I totally stalk him, and, and what I found out about Hal, which you may or may not want to go down this road in our conversation today, Hal, but... 
how is a perfectionist like me? <laughs> so I'm sure he talks. So I'm sure he talks to all the people that he talks to. But anyway, um, what I love about the story, first of all, is we need to thank our dear friend uh, Phil uh, Andrea Waltz of Go for No, who we just mm -hmm. had on the show not too long ago, and she actually is giving away a book as well, the Go for No book. And she said, "I know somebody who's perfect for the show, Bernie. What do you think?" And so she puts Hal's name down there and then his link to his website and I clicked on it and I was like, holy shit, are you kidding me? Hell yeah. Oh nice. my God. We can I'm say gonna... shit on this show? Yes, right, you sorry. can. Yes, you can. I'm like, <laughs> make shit happen, Hal. That's exactly. Funny. Oh, that's right. That's right. Okay. <laughs> and I was like, I've got to email this guy right now. And Hal, you did respond in a very timely manner. So thank you for not saying no to us. Thank you for saying yes. Thank yeah. you, Andrea, for introducing us to you. You have an amazing story, and I'm not even going to dive into it the way I normally do with most of our guests. I want to hear it from you because I love hearing the way you share the story. So to kind of first start out this conversation, let's build the foundation. Let's kind of tell everybody what were you doing in your past life before all of the amazing work you do now to kind of set that foundation and help us understand what it took for you to then dive out of that and do the amazing stuff that you do today. Yeah, thank you for the uh, the question. Um, I, so, I mean, I think it, it goes back and it starts when I was 15 years old. My dream was to be a radio disc jockey. And uh, I, I thought that would happen long after college, you know, or maybe in college. But long story short, got the interview, got the job at our local radio station up in, I grew up in the mountains. And uh, right as I was leaving, the, the radio manager said, hey, the station manager said, Hal, make sure you think of a cool DJ name. DJs always have cool names, right? And so I get in the car and I'm all kind of, nervous and stressed out and my mom goes uh, sweetie did you get the job you know I'm 15 she's driving I said yeah but they said I need a cool DJ name by next Thursday and you guys name me Hal and that's like the dorkiest name ever what am I supposed to do with that right and my mom says oh sweetie Hal's not a dorky name um, you let me help you be like my pal Hal or your pal Hal or ooh make it cool be yo pal Hal I said, Mom, you're such a dork. I'm never going to be yo pal Hal. And uh, if you look at the, you know, you see there my, my name at the bottom of the screen. Um, it's, it, the, the radio station manager loved it. Mom liked it. And every, it just stuck. And it, it stuck to this day. In fact, you can visit my website at yopalhal.com. So fast forward four years later, I was DJing on the radio in college, living the dream, got an interview for a job selling Cutco knives. Never considered myself a salesperson. Uh, took the job after a lot of coercing from my good buddy who was working there. He said, oh, you'd be great. You should do it. Uh, took the job and ended up uh, in my first 10 days breaking the all-time sales record and sold $15,000 worth of Cutco knives, which if you know about Cutco knives, that's only like two knives. But no, I'm kidding. It's more than that. But they're definitely expensive. Uh, and then uh, where the real game changer for my life occurred was a year and a half into my sales career, I was one of the top salespeople and I was asked to give speeches at just about every conference that we had. You know, it was how, teach them what you're doing, motivate them, you know, tell them the secrets, right? And, uh, and so I got up and gave a speech one night. This was December 3rd, 1999. I was 20 years old and driving home from my speech, I had an hour and a half drive home on the highway. Uh, you know, cruise control set at 70 miles an hour. I was in my brand new shiny white Ford Mustang when a drunk driver, also traveling 70 miles an hour, only heading the wrong direction, hit me head on, sent my car into oncoming traffic, and the car behind me hit me in the door at 70 miles an hour. 
and I instantly broke 11 bones on the left side of my body from my eye socket through my femur was broken in half, everything in between, um, and I was clinically dead. I died for six minutes. I was in a coma for six days. I had permanent brain damage, and when I came out of the coma, the doctors told me that I would never walk again. And, you know, like any time we're faced with challenges, right, that old adage that it's not what happens to you, it's how you respond to it. Um, I decided that I wasn't going to take the doctor's, uh, you know, diagnosis as the final diagnosis. And I told my parents, you know, mom and dad, stop crying, hold it together. I'm going to be fine. I'm going to learn to walk again. And if I, and then here's a, a big lesson is I said, if I never walk again, I'll be the happiest person you've ever seen in a wheelchair. Because I live by the five-minute rule, which says it's okay to be negative sometimes, but not for more than five minutes. Bitch, moan, complain, vent, whatever you got to do, and then you focus 100% of your emotion and your energy, mental energy, emotional energy, physical energy, into the reality of your current situation, where you want to go, and what the first and the second and the third step are to get there. And so with that attitude and that approach, three weeks later, three weeks after being found dead, breaking my femur in half and all of the, my pelvis in three places, um, I took my first step. And, uh, and I went back to work against the doctor's orders. I was back into, into you know, the sales competition three days out of the hospital with my mom and dad driving me to my appointments and me using a cane and walking and, and using the sympathy angle, I guess you could say, if we're being honest, you know, to get some sales. But uh, you got to use whatever you got. So, so that's kind of the, the foundation of what made me decide that Selling knives wasn't my destiny, that it was inspiring and empowering people to overcome the, uh, the challenges and the, the self-imposed limitations that hold us back from achieving everything we want in our lives. Wow. Wow. What, what strikes me about that, though, is you started out by lying to your mom and saying that you'd never use that nickname, Hal. I'm really disappointed. <laughs> no, that's not <laughs> it. But that's really, wow, man, that's a great story and how to, how to really look at it. So this five-minute rule... Where did you learn this, man? Because I tell you, 20 years old, it's not a five-minute rule, right? It's a five-year rule. I can whine about how much my parents suck, how the world hates me, how just everything's against me, and I can be Captain Narcissist. And instead, you've got the other side, the five-minute rule, which is just delightful, right? I can bitch, moan, whine, and complain for five minutes, no more, no less, and then get over your damn self. So where did you get that, man? So I learned that in my Cutco sales training from my mentor, Jesse, uh, and Jesse is, was in my wedding years later. I mean, he was, the, he was there the night of my crash. He came to the hospital, good friend of mine. But uh, no, in my, in my second day of my, my Cutco training, we learned that. He said, look, when you go out there, you guys, you're going to deal with a lot of rejection. You're going to have some people are going to be mean to you. You're going to set goals and sometimes not hit them. He said, you got to live by the five-minute rule. So, I mean, it's interesting that if I, if I wouldn't have been selling Cutco, I would not have been equipped with that strategy, yet if I wouldn't have been selling Cutco, I wouldn't have been on the freeway that night coming from a Cutco meeting at the speech, right? So, I mean, everything does happen for a reason, but I think it's our responsibility to choose what the reason is and not leave it up to chance or, or you know, be that victim, as you mentioned. Yeah, absolutely perfect. I mean, you do have a choice, and that's a really powerful reminder, I think, for all of us to choose the right thing. So, yeah. so Cutco knives to awesome kick-ass motivational speaker. So take us through that, Hal. I mean, you said you were getting up talking to other Cutco salespeople, and certainly, um, you know, not that that's easy, but that's a lot easier than trying to, you know, to make money getting up and talking to people every day. 
So take sure. us through that transition and how that happened, and maybe some of the fears or the doubts that, that you heard in your head, if you had any. Yeah. Well, you know, I'll go back to the hospital and the, this conversation with my dad. Um, my dad came in one night, and I didn't know what had happened up until that led him to my, my hospital room. But this was two weeks after the night of the crash before I had taken my first step, and the doctors had called my parents in and said, we believe that Hal is in denial because he's always happy and joking and smiling and laughing, and that's not normal for someone that's been through what he's been through and doesn't know if he's ever going to walk again, right? So we think he's in denial. He's living in, like, fantasy land. Talk to him and find out how he's really feeling. And that's when my dad came in, and I reminded my dad of the five-minute rule. I said, Dad, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not in denial. I just, I've accepted that I can't change this. Why would I feel sorry for myself? When, it, when there's no point, and, I, and it's funny, that's where I said, I said, Dad, I always had a dream of being a motivational speaker ever since I started with Cutco, but I didn't really have anything worth talking about. You and Mom were too good to me. I didn't overcome anything in my life. I go, maybe that's why this happened. I wouldn't have ever wished for this, but maybe that's, that's the reason that I'm going to choose. And, you know, it, it fast forward five, it was five or six years before, well, I should only say it was about five months before I gave my first speech, but it was a free speech. You mentioned it's it's different to speak for free, and it's different to actually turn that into a career. Um, I did start speaking at high schools right away. I went back to my high school and talked on the consequences of drinking and driving, overcoming adversity, and I started speaking at high schools and colleges, but I did go back to Cutco because I wanted to achieve the Hall of Fame with that company. I wanted to become a Hall of Fame business achiever, and that took me about five years to achieve that goal. Um, and then I, uh, I decided to give it one more year in Cutco. After I hit the Hall of Fame, I thought, you know what? I've never really fulfilled my potential with Cutco. Um, I'm going to go out and double my best year ever. And that was this crazy, scary goal. And so after I'd been one of their top reps for six years, I decided to stick around one more year, try to double my best sales year ever, double my income. Um, and uh, that was the year that I did those things. And my other goal was to write my first book, which I don't know if you guys have this one, but this is uh, Taking Life Head-On. Oh. No, haven't seen that one yet. Show yeah, that's back. my first book. And if anybody wants, look away if you're for the faint of heart. That's, that's my car crash pictures. But, um, but yeah, that's my first book. And, the, uh, and I wrote that book that year, and I launched my speaking career. And, and here's what I decided to do. I was 25 at that time, and I was really debating, should I pursue corporate speaking? Because I had given speeches for you know businesses and companies and the response was usually something like, I remember this one time I spoke at this uh, mortgage office and it was to like 40 brokers and this was when the real estate market was booming. So all these guys were making money hand over fist, like 2007. And uh, after I got done speaking, this gentleman came up, he said, Hal, I'm 52 years old. Uh, I've been in this business for, you know, for 30 years. And he said, when I saw you take the stage with your spiky hair and your, you know, whatever, he said, my first thought was, what the hell is this kid going to teach me about life or business or anything, right? And he said, but now you just changed the way I've looked at life for the last 50 years. And so I was really conflicted with having that kind of impact within the corporate world, or should I speak to high school and college students where I could, you know, the spiky hair is kind of, it, it goes with that. It, you know, I look young, right? And I really debated, and I finally came to the conclusion that I'm only getting older, and that's going to continue as long as I, you know, know. And so I can speak to old sales dudes for the rest of my life, right? I might as well put my energy into inspiring and impacting young people while I still look somewhat young or at least can fake it, right? And, uh, and so, so I really put my energy into speaking at high schools and colleges for 
probably three or four or five years, and I'm just now, literally, it's been about a year that I've been transitioning, and I still do the high school and college stuff, I'll always do that, but I've been transitioning more into the corporate stuff and talking to sales audiences, and I've got a keynote tomorrow for, you know, 200 business professionals and that sort of thing, but um, the way that I got into it, I invested in a mentor, you know, I mean, I'm sure you guys probably have done this or, you know, it's not a mystery that most successful people they, they seek out coaches or mentors that are highly successful and often invest a lot of money. I, I actually, the first mentor I had was James Malinchek. I don't know if you know who James Malinchek is. So James Malinchek runs the College Speaker Success Boot Camp. And uh, I went to his boot camp and I, I learned about an organization called NACA. We're at National Association for Campus Activities. Joined that association and went and booked as many, you know, more college speeches than I could handle. But it was all started with investing in a, a mentor, a coach, who was an expert at doing what I wanted to do. Then I invested in another mentor, Josh Ship, and Josh Ship is the number one high school speaker of all time, right? It's, so it's funny, one of you knows James and one of you knows who Josh is, that's funny. But one of you is shaking your head at one and nodding at the other. So uh, yeah, so James Malinchek and Josh Ship were my two mentors uh, in speaking to the youth market. So, um, you know, I think that if you're, but if you're not going to the youth market and you want to become a speaker and go to the corporate market, you know, you've got, I guess the answer to this is you've got to seek out someone who's been there and done that and be willing to invest in yourself to be able to, you know, to learn what they know and shorten your learning curve and, and increase your income. And, you know, I really look at it as ROI. If I invest $14,000 with this guy, which I did my first college speaker coach, you know, and then I I was able to earn that back within a month of applying what he taught me. So, I I seriously love that story, and I'm gonna go off a little bit here to kind of tell you my story. But the reason why I love the story is because you were talking about investing in yourself, right, in order to take yourself to the next level and be anything you want to be. But I think where people get stuck, at least I know in my own experience coaching, and I know you coach and consult and speak and write. Um, the barriers lie because we don't think we're good enough to even invest in ourselves. And I remember five and a half years ago when I was talking to a therapist about how horrible my life was, and she said, I don't think you have relationship issues, Bernie. I think you don't know what you want to do in life. What do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, I want to be a motivational speaker. And she said, what's stopping you? And I said exactly what you said or what you were kind of saying. I said, because I have to be 50 years old six feet tall, salt and pepper hair in a suit in order to be that guy. And she said something to me that was so profound I'll never forget. She said, as long as you believe that, you're right. Yep. So let's fast forward to today. I'm definitely speaking now. I'm coaching now. I'm consulting now. So I'm doing all the things that I didn't think I was good enough to do at the time. The question I have for you then is how did you break through the I'm not good enough to I am good enough and now I'm going to go invest in the resources and whatever I need to take myself to the next level. You know, for me, um, I, I think we always deal with the I'm not good enough, right? Or, and another way of putting that is I'm not good enough or I haven't been good enough in the past and you know, I talked about in the Miracle Morning, right, that we all suffer from what I call rear view mirror syndrome, which is where we have that rear view mirror in our subconscious mind and we all, we, we check it constantly as to well, how have I done in the past? And it's hard for us to see ourselves as better than we've ever been. But that's one of the keys to success is all successful people at some point decide to see themselves not as they've been in the past, but as they could be if, they, you know, if everything were to work out and they were to give it their all, etc. And for me, when I was in Cutco training was actually when that first shifted for me. So I was blessed that at 19 years old, I'm sitting in Cutco training, and I guess one thing important uh, 
Bernie, is my past. Um, I was mediocre my whole life. I was a mediocre student. I was a mediocre athlete. I wasn't that popular. I was a total screw-up in school. You know what I mean? Like, I never had anything in my rearview mirror to say, Hal, you could break a sales record, right? You could be the best of all time. Never. And what happened was um, I, when I found out, you know, I asked uh, the manager, who broke, who holds the record? And he said, oh, this girl just actually broke, it's a 50-year-old record, she just broke it two weeks ago. So the record just got broken two weeks ago, and she lives an hour and a half south of us in Bakersfield, California, and I lived in Fresno at the time. And I think that was part of it. I thought, well, if this girl lives in Bakersfield, that's not like Beverly Hills, even though come to find out later that her clients were like Beverly Hills. I didn't know that, though. Thankfully, I didn't, I didn't know that. So I wasn't able to use that as an excuse. And here's the most important belief, one of the most important beliefs I think we can adopt, and it was if another human being could do this thing I want to do, that is evidence that human beings, which I happen to be one of, can do this thing I want to do. Therefore, I can do the thing. I can do this thing. And, and now I've, I've, I kind of evolved that as an affirmation, which is that I am just as deserving worthy, capable, and committed of creating anything that I want for my life. And then I apply it to specifics. I go, okay, well, I want to write a number one best-selling book uh, that changes the world. I've never done that before, right? And then it's, no, no, no. I am just as worthy, deserving, capable, and committed of writing a number one best-selling book that transforms people's lives as any other person on earth. And I think that is a universal truth that we all have to adopt into our lives. Wow. So that's that's just an amazing philosophy on that, Hal. Um, I'm just curious, though. I, I, do you even hear the naysayers? Do you do you even pay any heed heed any credence to anything they have to say, or do you just blast forward, leaving them in your dust? They depress the shit out of me, Phil. If I'm being honest with you. Um, when I got my first one-star review on the mirror, so actually I'll say this. So my first book, Taking Life Head On, right? A little shameless self-promotion. Um, and I'm getting the recovery done because I the covers uh, anyway. So uh, the first book, though, um, uh, I, oh, it's been out for seven years. And if you go to Amazon right now, there are 68 reviews. I believe three of them are four-star reviews, and the other 65 are five-star reviews. And there are no three-star, two-star, or one reviews, or one-star reviews. So um, I thought my, you know, what didn't stink. I thought I'm, you know, I'm a good person and I'm only putting out good content from my heart. So, wow, that's, of course, nobody would say anything negative. Why would they? I'm a good person, right? And then the Miracle Morning comes out, gets all these great, one, you know, reviews. And then I get my first one-star review. And I am like, you know, probably goes back to when I started in sales and I got my first no-sale. I'm like depressed and I'm crying. I'm like, how can he, and he's challenging my character, telling me that the other reviews are fake and that I manufacture them, that they can't be real. And I'm like, I just, I can't talk to this person that I want to reach out and be like, how could you say this about me, right? So to answer your question, I wish I could say that I am impervious to the naysayers, but every time I get a negative review, I have to go find my wife and I have to have her hold me for, you know, a few minutes and tell me that I'm good and that it's going to be okay and and remind me that the you know that don't listen to the few there's always going to be negative people you got to listen to the hundreds that are that are you know that love what you're doing and that you're changing their lives so yeah and i and i have even have affirmations to help me manage my mindset about you know believing in the belief that others have in me 
And I think that's a really important lesson is that we have to sometimes believe in the belief that others have in us until our belief catches up. You know, and during my, my first 10 days of selling Cutco, that's, that was my key to success. I, w I would have given up probably every day, at least once a day, I had rejection. I, I was not on track. I wanted to give up. But my mentor, my manager, he believed in me, and he kept breathing that belief into me, and I had to believe in the belief he had in me until mine caught up, which probably wasn't for like three years after that. It was just consistently believing in the belief that he had in me, and now I leverage my wife's belief in me, and she keeps me on track when I, you know, when I get uh, when I face some rejection or or some negativity. Hal, I just love where you took this conversation because my next question I, I was actually going to ask you something, but I think it's just a perfect segue for me to share the story. And if you have anything to elaborate on that, that'd be great. But I was reading in the the book that you sent me, The Miracle Morning. I was reading a, a section in there about how you knew that The Miracle Morning was going to be an amazement, amazing movement, if we want to call it that for now, right? But you didn't quite know how it was going to impact the people that it did at this massive success that you've seen. And you share a story in there about how one day you decided to Google yourself, which I do it too, and I know <laughs> Phil does as well, so whatever, you know, sure. who do all you folks. Yeah. But, and you found a YouTube video that somebody put up about the Miracle Morning. And you're like, who is this dude? What's going on? Why is he, you know, taking my stuff, cramping my style? And yeah. he started to tell your work. And he promoted it without you telling him, without you asking him, without you even knowing. And then you started to see this happen more and more and more and more. And then all of a sudden you've got this massive movement happening, Hal. So my question to you is kind of, I, you know, I kind of, I kind of believe that you're going to be dumbfounded every time it does happen, right? But does it ever get to a point where you're just like, oh yeah, I expect that, or do you still find yourself dumbfounded every single time somebody does pay attention and believe in you the way you speak about? Um, I, I, I really am dumbfounded still. You know, it's weird. I guess it's, I guess it's, you know, I asked somebody the other day about. I said I don't know why I still get so. Um, I don't know if surprised is the right word, pleasantly surprised when I see these reviews from people that say, I just finished, I just read one of them today, I was doing that speech earlier, and she said, it's been 30 days of doing the Miracle Morning, I've, I read the book three times, and it took me three times of reading it, I finally decided I'm going all in, and she said, I just finished my 30-day challenge, and I lost 10 pounds without using any pills or gimmicks, she said, I have the best month in, my, in, my, in the history of my sales career, um, and, uh, and I forgot, oh, and I read four self-help books. She said, I can't believe how this has changed my life in 30 days. And every time I read that, I am just, I'm, I'm grateful. I'm, I'm excited for that person. I'm humbled. Um, and I, you know, and, and, and it really keeps me going because there are days, you know, where the Miracle Morning book sales are down for a week or a day or a month, or, you know, and I'm like, What's happening? What, what, you know, is I, like, why, I, you know, you start to like freak out and think it's a big deal that like, oh my gosh, have, is it, you know, is this the downward decline of, you know, I don't know. But so every time, all of that really is fuel. It's like it keeps me inspired to keep sharing the message. And I really believe because, not because of my opinion, but because of the hundreds of reviews and emails from people saying it has change their life in ways that nothing else they've ever tried has. No book they've ever read, nothing they've ever done has ever had such a profound impact on their life. Um, because of that, uh, I forgot where I was going with that, uh, but something along the lines of, you know, that, that's what keeps me, oh, oh, because of that, 
is why I, I believe, I really believe that the Miracle Morning is my greatest gift to the world. It's my greatest value. You know, I can share my, my story and the lessons I learned from that, and I've done that for years, but nothing I've ever taught or, or shared or, or, you know, written or given um, has ever had such profound feedback on changing people's lives. And so, yeah, so those things, they, they give me fuel, they keep me going, and they reinforce that I've got to continue to share this message until we reach our mission, which is change one million lives one morning at a time and donate one million dollars of all the book sales to charity. So that's the mission. I love it. I love it. And I couldn't agree with you more. I always tell my coaching clients who tell me, well, Bernie, thank you so much. You inspire me. I say, I'm inspired that you're inspired. So it's yeah. a reciprocal relationship. And that's why I love this work because it just keeps going back around. Um, Phil, I think it's time for the magic question for how. Yeah. 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 Like the miracle question? Like the magic, <laughs> the, the miracle, magic question? miracle question. <laughs> Maybe, but it's all about us. No. So so the first question is who are those photos behind you, Hal? I see that you've got it looks like Seinfeld, Oprah Winfrey, Anthony no, that, Robbins, and Einstein. So, so this is the one next to Oprah. This is my aunt, this is my cousin, that's my uncle. Um no. Uh, really? No. no. Yeah. So no, Jerry Seinfeld, Will Smith, Oprah Winfrey, Tony Robbins, and I see his the frame is broken. Um and uh and Albert Einstein. Very good. Um, yeah, and you know, they're, they're not necessarily my, like, I don't have a ranking, like, those are the five people that mean the most to me in terms of mentorship. It's just as I was looking for 8x10s to, you know, to print out, um, I, I stopped every time I saw someone that I'm inspired by this person's work. Um, and Jerry Seinfeld, I, I, I coach my clients a lot. Whenever they say, hey, should I quit my job? Should I do something else? Uh, my, my, my um, what I share, my lesson is, Go out like Seinfeld. Seinfeld was the number one show on television. He was at the top of his game, and he could have ridden it out for a long time, but he wanted to leave a legacy as number one, as the best. Of, you know, he didn't, oh, yeah, Seinfeld was great, and then the show got kind of crappy, and, you know, I stopped watching it, and then he got kicked off the air. No, he was number one, and they were throwing money at him, and he left. And I always say, go, and that's what I did with my company. That's what I mentioned, why I was about to leave when I hit Hall of Fame, and I realized, I've never achieved at the highest level while I was here. I might have got the long term, you know, if you stick around long enough, they give you the Hall of Fame, right? But I had never achieved at the highest level, so going out like Seinfeld. And then, you know, Wilson, these are just people who I'm inspired by the way they live their lives, the way they approach success, their philosophies on, you know, everything related to life and success. So that, that's why I have those up there. Very cool. So that's not the magic question. Though. I didn't think so. I didn't think so. No, but, uh, you know, that was an interesting question. So here's the real question. So, Hal, right now in your life, what are you afraid of, whether it's in life or in business? And the follow-up to that is, how can we, Bernie and Phil, and how can we as the Shut Up Show community support you in working through that fear? What's I, keeping you up at night? I love that question, and I'll, I, can, I can tell you right off the bat, um, and it's the weirdest thing that this is my fear. My, the fear that keeps me, or that, 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 that literally stops me from impacting the amount of people I, I, I should is I have a fear of marketing to people. Um, I am a top salesperson. You'd think that wouldn't be a fear, but just, and it's literally just a few naysayers. This goes back to the, do the naysayers affect you where I've sent out an email to my community, right? And you know, tens of thousands of people and a few people come back and they're like, I don't like, you know, I, I didn't sign up for your emails for you to sell me your VIP coaching program. And right. I've got this program called VIPSuccessCoaching.com, uh, VIPSuccessCoaching, and the people that are on it 
they are blown away by it. They love it. It's helping them. I put so much energy into it, and I'm afraid to tell the world anymore because of a few people. It, one, in fact, one of the reviews on Amazon said the book reviews, right? Oh yeah, I read the book, and I should have known. You know, it wasn't a month later that I get an email from the author asking me to join his coaching program, and then I get all affected, like, oh, I don't want to offend people. I don't want to hurt. You know, I don't want to whatever. So that's my biggest fear: is reaching out. And I know that that's preventing me from impacting people with my, my VIP coaching, you know? Cool. Well, we will help you with that. That's pretty easy. Because the next question is, as you've done so well throughout, now you can really be shameless about it and self-promote because we now want people to find more of your awesome sauce, Hal. How well, do they I'll, do that? Yeah, I'll get a couple of resources. Um, the, well, the VIP Success Coaching I just mentioned, VIPSuccessCoaching.com. But the Miracle Morning, uh, you can know you can get it on Amazon. I love that. You got you guys told me you were gonna do it for the whole interview. I'm really disappointed. I no, I'm just kidding. Um, but go to miraclemorning.com for two free chapters of the book. So if you're ready to you know uh, to 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 dive in and get the book, go to Amazon, read the reviews, check it out for yourself. Miracle Morning. Um, but if you were like, you know what, I just bought a few books and I'm not ready to buy another one yet. Go to miraclemorning.com and you'll get two free chapters. You'll get a free video from me uh, and a free audio training all on the Miracle Morning. And uh, that's all for free. And then you can try it out, check it out, see for yourself, and then decide if you want to get the book. Wow. Well, we're so glad you got hit by a drunk driver, Hal. I mean, Because too. Without, <laughs> that, without that, man, you it's wouldn't true. be here today. No, and I know that, I'm, yeah. I mean that completely seriously, man. Sometimes no, I agree. the shittiest stuff is yep. the stuff that changed their lives the most profoundly. And we are so glad that you took half an hour to spend with us, Hal. Thanks yeah. so much, man. Thank you. It's been an honor. I'd love to come back and visit you guys again anytime. Thank you for joining the Shut Up Show. It was another amazing episode, and we really appreciate you being here. If you don't want to miss another episode, simply go to our homepage and click the subscribe button or go to theshutupshow.com slash subscribe and we'll deliver an episode to you one to three times a week. If you haven't already done so, please consider leaving us a star rating and comment on iTunes. That's the only way we can prove the show just for you. The Shut Up Show is sponsored by The Amazing Cells. That's S-E-L-Z dot com. If you want seriously simple selling, you got to go check them out today. Until next time, folks, shut up and make shit happen.